beginning to sip, in fact, drink deeply of the Aldous Huxley world that is brave and that is certainly new. And before we go any further, I don't want any of you to think that old Shepard's becoming a mouthpiece for the slob world. He is just out to drink deeply of it, to taste it, to see what it's all about. We are aboard a hydrofoil boat in the East River, just passing under at this very instant the, uh, the Triborough Bridge. I am surrounded, I can't talk very loudly because of the situation here, I am surrounded by tourists from Iowa, Illinois, and Utah, all of them wearing flowered hats and creaking girdles, and several gentlemen are wearing bright blue hats with plumes that say, meet me at the World's Fair. We are now headed for Flushing Bay. We're making a big right-hand turn. The boat is healing. Just about 10 minutes or so ago, we left 25th Street and the East River aboard this hydrofoil. Who knows what wonders we shall see in this brave new world in just a few moments. Out there at the World's Fair, out on Flushing Meadows. The boat is rocking. We are now directly under one of the... Whoa! Great Scott, a great wave of spray dashed over an elderly gentleman from Iowa here. We're leaning into the wind, and in a few moments, we'll be out at the World's Fair, just exactly to see what the slobs are up to, to see what sort of gay folk rituals we can take part in tonight. Hang on to your seatbelts. Overhead now, there's a continual stream of airplanes going into LaGuardia Airport. It's an exciting world, this world of the slobs. Oh, just outside of the window of the aquafoil, I noticed at least 75 pounds of garbage floating out to sea. Yes, we're heading for the brave new world and for peace through understanding on Aquafoil 4. What an exciting afternoon. What a day. The sun is beaming down. We'll be out there in a, maybe a second or two, maybe a minute. Hang on to your seatbelt. Leuvenbrau Beer Hall, and we are here sitting here drinking Leuvenbrau light beer and listening to the sound of a Leuvenbrau Munich Orchestra, who is performing up on the stage there under the official colors of the Bavarian state flag, which happens to be light blue and white. <laughs> well, I, I'm right now sitting at what I consider to be probably one of the most civilized and certainly one of the most authentic spots on the whole fair. It's the Lohenbrau, or as they say in Germany, Lübenbräu. It's the Lohenbrau Beer Garden, which, and I can tell you this as a man who has spent considerable time in Bavaria throughout Germany, this is genuinely an authentic German beer garden. Uh, it's too bad that most of the people, I'm afraid, who come here don't recognize the uh, Bavarian ancient Druidic, or not, excuse me, not Druidic necessarily, but ancient Gothic uh, fertility symbols that are all over the place here, and the magnificent Lohenbrau horses, which occasionally make their appearance and cause the beer drinkers here to be a little worried. Uh, <laughs> It is a great spot to just sit and get your bearings before you plunge into the brave new world of Futurama, a dynamic arama, Walt Disney arama, and all the rest of it that lies just over the horizon past the space park here from uh, 
the area where we're now sitting. Uh, you can hear the band here, and this, this is genuinely a, a, a bunch of, uh, of uh, Bavarian musicians playing traditional Bavarian beer garden music. Uh, in Bavaria, I've, I've been in Bavaria long enough to know that most of the Germans start about 2 o'clock in the afternoon on a Friday and continue this jazz all the way till Monday morning when they reel off to wherever it is they put in their work. Of course, we all know the Bavarians are elves anyway, so it doesn't make much difference. So, uh, <laughs> I am not, you can probably tell I'm right now drinking a large stein of light beer, so will you please uh, bring it up a little, Tony? Give him some more of Uncle Fritz. Uncle Fritz and his 17 Bavarian Hochfleischers. Bring it up there a little bit, please. This is the way the Bavarians sing. (laughs) As a matter of fact, I've known many people come out here to the World's Fair and do nothing but sit here for three straight weeks. Lap it up and then go home and tell them all about it in Cleveland. Bring it up a little bit there, Tony. Yes, come with me into the land of fantasy. In just a few moments, we will go to the world of Futurama and the world of Walt Disney. Stay tuned, friends. It's a great big beautiful tomorrow. It's just a dream away. <laughs> yes, friends. Everything is just a dream away out here at the World's Fair. And <laughs> we're right here in the middle now. Don't be very careful that you don't disturb any of the paying customers here because we are here as a spy. We're right in the middle of the GE carousel where it's a great big beautiful tomorrow. And friends, as we all know, it's just a dream away. And 10 million payments away, too, monthly, of course. And uh, this this is, if, if, if you, believe me, if you approach this with the proper spirit, uh, this is probably one of the most significant aspects of the entire fair. Everything out here is dreamland personified. It's always a dream away, the beautiful tomorrow. And those of you who remember previous World's Fairs, remember that all the other World's Fairs said exactly the same thing. That it's just a dream away. Well, it's been 10 million years, friends. And that great, big, beautiful tomorrow has always been, as the GE people put it so well, just a dream away. And so, as we sit here amid the dreaming GE carousel fans dreaming about that great, big, beautiful tomorrow, you can hear the sound of the theme music. Uh, One thing I don't think has been pointed out much about these fair exhibits is that almost every exhibit has a gigantic theme song which envelops you the instant you get into the uh, environs of the exhibit itself. I guess this is the Broadway showbiz aspect of the whole scene, and undoubtedly uh, the composers of Broadway show music had a lot to do with this fair itself. Uh, The theme, uh, it's a great big beautiful tomorrow, and it's just a dream away, friends. Uh, sounds like the uh, theme of every Rogers and Hart, every uh, Hammerstein musical that's ever been written. And the GE people here, you'd never, you'd never relate all you're seeing here with a plain old light bulb that burned out yesterday afternoon in your refrigerator. 
that has a GE emblem on it. But that's all right, friends. It's all a dream and a yard. Hear this? Listen. <laughs> this is a wild scene. And by the way, outside of this GE carousel is a permanent sign that says, Waiting time for our show, 60 minutes. Which I think is significant in terms of the theme of the show, which is that it's a great big beautiful tomorrow, and it's only a dream away. Well, friends, it's a great big beautiful show, and it's only a seven-mile line away. So the people wait in great, great long herds to stand outside of these buildings to see what their own dreams are. Now, we'll pick this up just a little bit. You can hear the sound of the GE customers dreaming quietly in their seats. As the seats themselves move, the people on this carousel here are the horses and the swans. They are the ducks, and they are all the little things that move around the brass ring. That's always just And so friends Let's all sing together Together now Keep your knees loose And remember friends It's a great big Beautiful tomorrow And it's just Just a dream away Yes it's a great big Beautiful tomorrow friends And one thing must be pointed out Before we leave here All the actors are mechanical and I suspect that the future of tomorrow, the great big beautiful dream that we're talking about, will see all of us automated, transistorized, and controlled by batteries. Bring it up, Tony. And believe me, things couldn't be any better than they are today. Yes, sir. We've got all the latest things. again. Thousands of tourists wandering around the area here and about every five or six minutes a gigantic super constellation roars over in this, <laughs> this, this strange, nightmarish uh, kind of uh, almost uh, surrealistic setting. Uh, now, as a reporter, it's funny, when you're doing things like this, most people will get the impression that you either have to be all for something or all against it. It's very hard to be that out here at the fair, because on one hand, you see something that delights you tremendously, like the Belgian marching band and the Belgian dancers, who are now going right into the little uh, cobblestone square here in front of us. Now, this is a delightful thing. On the other hand, directly in front of them and to the left is a penny pitch game from a carnival. It says, uh, win a basket of groceries, win a Cupid town, 
They are now marching past the outdoor. They're marching past the. Uh, it's all right. I don't mind if I fade off and on because I'm out here in the air and I'm not doing it in the studio, and they know that. Uh, they're marching again now towards the Belgian Arch. Probably hear them going off into the distance. They'll make a great loop out around the edge of the fair and back into the square here. Here they come back again. Hear it now? Pick it up, Tony. This, this is, I guess, more than anything else, the story of the fair. Uh, you can see it right here at the Belgian Village. On the one hand, you see great aspirations, uh, a tremendously uh, imaginative, absolutely faithful reproduction of a medieval Belgian village. Uh, this is one of the most delightful things to look at on the entire fair. I've been here a dozen times since it opened. You probably all know that there was a lot of trouble getting this thing finally completed because it is so elaborate and so beautifully done. Uh, on the one hand, you see this beautiful thing, and on the other hand, you see at the basis of the lovely little uh, churches and the Belgian stores, one thing or another, at the base are many things selling everything from the way of uh, a jazzy World's Fair official hats to uh, penny pitch games. And there goes, pick up the constellation going over If there's any one sound that I think is the most uh, characteristic sound of the World's Fair here out at Flushing Meadows, it's the sound of aircraft roaring overhead. Aircraft of all type. I mean, uh, helicopters, Super Constellation, 727 jets, and the sound of, uh, of national music. On the one hand, Polynesian, Sierra Leone, and the Belgian village. And so, as we sit here chewing away at our Belgian waffle, slathered with whipped cream, and uh, and preserved strawberries and drink our Belgian espresso in the sunshine amid the roar of the super constellations and the sound of the pitchman around the corner selling his penny pitch. We sit and quietly rest our feet here at this almost impossible to describe conglomeration of emotions, dreams, reality. You know, it's, 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 it's really particularly interesting to leave uh, the GE progress land where everything is sterile and beautiful and the people sit in plastic chairs and they're all run by transistors and batteries and nobody has a single worry about being neurotic or flying out of his skull and screaming into the streets. That world, and then to, to suddenly find yourself in the middle of the Belgian village, where on all hand, which is in a, in, a, in a real way a direct contradiction of that beautiful, clean world of automatic stoves and washing machines that wash your pants even as you wear them, and one thing or another, where, where progress is related to better machines, you get right down here and you get into certain places in the Belgian village and you, you can smell yesterday's potato chips quietly disintegrating in the corner there. There's a, there's a distinct smell of refuse around the place. And uh, over here towards the right, you see the Belgian uh, medieval dancers dancing, and they're really the, the genuine thing, the old, the old flugelhorn players and the trumpet players. And they have a mechanical, obviously taped uh, sound of uh, of church bells that go off every so often to give you the f the real feel, the sense of a Belgian village. All of this is all a conglomerate, in in uh, in direct juxtaposition with the world of Progress Land, uh, which uh, is of course shadowed by an enormous arch that simply says peace through understanding. It is very difficult to understand this world. All you can do is sit and look at it eat your waffle and go your way. Speaking of uh, 
the smell of slowly drifting refuse. This is WOR, AM and FM, New York. It's impossible to get these uh, connections out of the mind. It's a terrible thing, really. And <laughs> that's the way the human mind works. I don't think GE is prepared for that. Yes, that is the way the mind works. As you can tell, the dancers are back and in full plume, in full flower. They are booming out and roaring here amid the sound of a 707 jet, which is just going over, amid the sound of the pitchman's bellow here at the Belgian Village. Uh, for those of you who are really interested in the contradictory and in the... Uh, well, I guess the best way to say it is the contradictory in the human mind. I would suggest a 15-minute visit to this. It's, a, it's really something to see. We'll be back in exactly one minute, speaking of things to see. Miller highlights the bright, clear taste in beer. Miller highlights the champagne of bottled beer. Brewed with so many extra steps. Bright, clear, Sparkling is flavor with the deep down goodness. Sparkling with a special lightness. Miller High Life, the champagne of bottled beer. Brewed from a century-old recipe. Always hearty, yet distinctively light. Miller High Life, perfect for parties. Delicious with dinner, good with snacks. Why don't you enjoy a perfect glass of beer every time? Ask for Miller High Life. Miller High Life, the champagne of bottled beer. Sparkling. Flavorful. Distinctive. Miller High Life, brewed only in Milwaukee. And as we stand knee-deep in tourists from Iowa, snapping 35-millimeter pictures, as we stand <laughs> surveying the almost unbelievable uh, contradictions of the Belgian village here, uh, we can only say, oh, listen, speaking, before we go any further on tonight, this is, since this is Friday, and to clear up any misapprehension, we will be at the limelight tomorrow night at five minutes past ten, and it will be broadcast. And a lot of people are apparently under the impression this is not live, that show down at the limelight. It is live. Well, of course, it's, it, it's as live as any 20th century man ever is. And, you know, there's a lot of... Uh, uh, dissension in that department, but we'll be at the limelight tomorrow at five minutes past ten until midnight, and that's down on Sheridan Square in the village, and if you're looking for a place to make the scene over the weekend, I'd suggest you give them a call. Uh, give them a call and find out about a reservation. We'll be there at five minutes past ten, and right now we're out surveying the Salvador Dali, Walt Disney, Hieronymus Bosch world of the New York World's Fair which is, on one hand, a peculiar kind of fairy tale dream, and on the other hand, a strange sort of Detroit mechanistic monster. And you can hear the sound of the clanking claws and the advancing crunch of civilization as it roars over Shea Stadium and out over Flushing Bay. Who knows where we will visit next? Where will we alight with our evil eye and our hexed camera? Boom, boom, boom. It ain't easy being a Belgian.
And now we're right outside the Belgian village on the avenue of, of all things, peace. At the corner of the avenue of peace and the corridor of free enterprise. And as a matter of fact, directly across from me <laughs> in this deafening cacophony of Muzak, which plays on and on and on, no matter where you go, any place on the fairgrounds, you hear the sound of Cole Porter, you hear the sound of Richard Rogers, you hear the sound of just music being played endlessly and senselessly until finally you can't uh, you can't really hear yourself think out here. As a matter of fact, I think this is, of all things at the fair, this is probably the most all-inclusive music. This is a music, and across it you can hear the sound of an airplane going across, and in the background you can hear a Belgian medieval knight giving a pitch for those to come into the Belgian village to enjoy a little taste. He says, you must get into the spirit. Come into the spirit of the Belgian village. <laughs> and it's a wild scene. Now, directly across from me where I'm standing is what appears to be a somewhat decadent-looking bank or a truncated Parthenon. Uh, it's made of plastic and plaster and polyethylene. It's made of uh, formica. And across it, in rather faded... Uh, gold letters is simply the statement the greatest good for the greatest number a great uh, slogan across the hall of free enterprise <laughs> just it's strange to that I, I notice nobody goes in and comes out of that I don't don't know of anyone who has said gee there's nothing nothing that thrilled me more than the hall of free enterprise I just got to go back and look at all that money again it's just so wonderful but uh, I noticed another thing last night when I was here, or a couple nights back, I came to the fair, and, and of all the places that were closed, the Hall of Free Enterprise was closed, and on the outside it said, closed for all durations. I don't know whether that's uh, symbolic or whether that's an omen or a straw in the wind, I'm not sure. The uh, Greyhound carts are going past me now, and of course the continual stream of uh, well-fed people from what appears to be either the Midwest or some mythical kingdom somewhere that tourists come from. And uh, they're going past with their cameras. And directly across from the greatest good for the greatest number, you can see the flags flying over one of the ubiquitous brass rail earthbound hamburger dispensoriums, which they call out here a refreshment complex. <laughs> it's the place where you go to stand in line to get mustard. So... Uh, Bring up a little of that music, Tony, and I think that this music, for those of you who have never been to the fair, this music probably will give you as close and as clean a taste of what the fair really is like than anything else that I can possibly say to you. Uh, you walk out here, you, you walk or you ride or you limp amid a sea of sound, something like this. Isn't it lovely? I mean, you just can't help but thrill to this. Uh, it is, <laughs> if you, again, I must say, if you come out here prepared for this, this, uh, it's as though everybody connected with the fair, the people here, the, the visitors to it and everything else, everyone has decided to let themselves go. Uh, I just went through Progress Land, and uh, I was talking to a scholar who saw the show there which is entirely automated the actors are automated the music is automated uh, and they show you various 
scenes from the past going back to the turn of the century played by automated actors and his comment was it was that it is all materialism he says somehow the people relate a better refrigerator with a better soul uh, somehow that if you could get an automatic ironer that irons your pants even as you walk down the street you would be somehow a better man for it and he said this is uh, this is the fair and I guess there is one side of us that says that I don't care who you are there is one one t if, if you don't care for automobiles most of you believe that if you can only get a better guitar you'd be a better folk singer and hence and hence a better protester so that, that you can't entirely do away with the materialistic part of man I mean it's there it's let's face it it's there that no matter who you are you're a slob part slob well out here at the fair all these things come into a kind of uh, clash here we are standing on the Avenue of Peace and the uh, the uh, the knight from the ancient Belgian village is lounging here looking rather wistfully over at the Hall of Free Enterprise where it says the greatest good for the greatest number and he's having uh, he's having as, as I say he's having that feeling that malaise that comes in the middle of the afternoon in the middle of this this thing is New York Fair. Oh, incidentally, there is one thing that I must say. Uh, just next to the greatest good for the greatest number, the Hall of Free Enterprise, is a place that sells what purports to be Belgian waffles. I don't know whether Belgian waffles or not. Here he goes with his pitch. But the, the Belgian waffles consist of a large waffle with, with uh, cream that comes out of an aerosol bomb sprayed over it and crushed strawberries. Now, at night, when this fair is loaded, that is probably one of the most uh, indicative sights. It's, it's this thing that you're going to really notice most of all is thousands of people wandering around with whipped cream in their ears and, and strawberries on their tie and a kind of belching, bloated look. <laughs> you must get into the spirit, monsieur. Jesus, you have so much fun in the Belgian village. And now, as the pitch continues and as the music picks up its great roar, we move on to another unforgettable sight of Robert Moses' 1964 World's Fair. Now, under the Swiss ride, which is a ski ride brought over here from <laughs> brought over here from the Alps, uh, right opposite the Republic of the Philippines Pavilion, we are watching the City Service World's Fair Band of America, which travels all around the fairgrounds here on a long Greyhound bus, wearing blue uniforms and blowing it out. Uh, the thing, the thing that. Uh, that I uh, am immediately uh, hit by as you, you're looking across I can see the Lebanese pavilion from here and there's the long lagoon which stretches all the way down to the Unisphere and off to my left in the distance I can just see the bare edges of reality Shea Stadium where every day there is a better tomorrow if we only dream hard enough and the Mets are dropping another one to St. Louis uh,
Now you're hearing the uh, the applause from the assembled pilgrims from the Middle West and from the and, and don't think for one minute that the Bronx is not represented well here. Everyone thinks the tourists are middle Middle Westerners. Well, I can see many a familiar Fordham Road face as I look around here, and just the edge of what's left of a knish near the uh, near the uh, <laughs> near the near the smear that's left over from a pizza pie picked up over there near the Hall of Better Taste. Well, uh, this is the this is the fair, and you know, I'll tell you, uh, as a as a reporter, as just you know, as a person being out here trying to re- react and to observe these things. Uh, you can you can only you can only say that in the end that I suppose the uh, the, the the sense listen to this band they're picking it up again here listen here we go oh gee <laughs> oh man who knows what's going on out here uh, down at the uh, other end of this avenue every night there is a band shell. And when the wind is coming in off the Flushing Bay, and it's, it seems like five degrees above zero, and the grounds are almost totally empty, you can see Guy Lombardo and his Royal Canadians playing away there all by themselves, and once in a while an elderly couple will go out to do the businessman's bounce. And Guy Lombardo gets up before the microphone and he says, Friends, and all of you, the thousands of you who have gathered here to see us play, and all of our million friends everywhere, we want to greet you from the teeming grounds of the New York World's Fair. And three JDs from the Lower East Side walk past and throw beer cans into the tuba. And I think more than anything else, at night, you can see this this fair for what it is. And it's a lot of fun if, if you're interested in, in people themselves. I don't think most people are, though, I'm afraid. And so, if you will, Tony, uh, we are going to progress now towards another one of the uh, exotic experiences that are available out here. I hope you don't think that I'm doing a pitch for the New York World's Fair, which is what most people will think I'm doing. I'm merely trying to to, to report. You know, it's it's if you're on the air and you're talking about Sixth Avenue and you're talking about places where they sell whoopee cushions and where they sell false faces that look like Frankenstein and Khrushchev, I suppose people think you're giving a pitch for Sixth Avenue. You know, this is a fact. But being a human being, I can only say that on the one hand there is fun here, and on the other hand there is intense, almost maniacal aggravation by God. And so as the city service band roars into its next unforgettable number, as the wind blows through the Swiss sky ride, as the sound of the temple bells from the Indonesian pavilion blend their unforgettable sounds with the roar of the fountain at the Unisphere and the click of millions of 35-millimeter shutters and the honk of Greyhound buses, we go once again into the blue. Where next? Help, help! And the fierce material burn with Ben Malone and the Wicklow Hill. And the delegates, O'Finnelly, Gretchen, O'Donovan, O'Connor, McAvilly, McAndrew, Morris, O'Moore, O'Rennelly, Sheridan, Egan, O'Flynn, Dick Morris. You're listening to the sound of a canned Irishman uh, who is on tape here in the Irish Pavilion and thousands of visitors to this pavilion stand and quietly listen in contemplative American awe 
the sound of a real Irish brogue. And he is on tape, he is canned, and uh, in a way, this says much more about the World's Fair than most other pavilions. Uh, everywhere you go, things are taped. Everywhere you go, there are mechanical actors, there are mechanical animals, and in a sense, the Walt Disney World has genuinely taken over. Uh, I might say, as a personal word, though, this particular pavilion, the Irish Pavilion, is one of the least visited pavilions on the fair, and for my personal taste, one of the most pleasant. Uh, they serve Irish coffee here, made with fine Irish whiskey, and uh, elderly ladies from Queens sit and pretend they're drinking coffee and resting their feet as they slowly sink into the horizon with their glasses twisted and their hairpins falling down around their ears. So, <laughs> so if, uh, if, you're looking, if you're looking for a place to really get away and, uh, and escape from it all, I suggest you, you hunt up the... One thing about the Irish Pavilion, I think that most of these pavilions uh, inadvertently tell more about the societies than they ever intend to tell. Uh, this pavilion is on the one end, as you go into it, is magnificently air-conditioned. In fact, so air-conditioned that immediately your teeth begin to chatter. Your glasses cloud over with the cold. And then you walk through that room, and the next instant you are in the most humid, steamy, fetid, overheated room on the fair. Now, this is exactly the way Ireland is. Uh, the time that I spent in Ireland, I was alternately freezing or roasting, and there was never any in between. I can remember days on end when you would sleep wearing pajamas made out of wool, and you'd, you'd wear socks pulled up over your ears, and you lie in the bed there with the winds howling across the covers. And the next minute you're visiting somebody, they've got the stove turned on, and you stand there, and believe me, your shoes sweat. Just absolutely insanely overheated, and this is the way the Irish Pavilion is. So if you'd like to taste a little uh, of the way the Irish really live, I suspect you'll find it out here. However, one thing must be said. This does not look like Ireland here. This is a very hip, modern pavilion, beautiful architecture. It's one of the most tastefully designed pavilions on the fair. You can hear the sound of the fountains everywhere. By the way, one thing about the fair, everywhere you go, there's fountains. Listen to the sound of these fountains here as they squirt past the, the, uh, the canned Irishman here. Kinney and Ohesi. Yes, Kinney. We know all about their parking lots. Well, this is the this is the Irish Pavilion, and our next stop will undoubtedly be in the world of the dynamic tomorrow, where a dream is just a moment away, and peace through understanding is attainable if you pay the proper admission. I am now in the swank helicopter port of the Port Authority building out here at the fair, and in just a few minutes, we are about to take off on a helicopter flight, which, by the way, if you haven't been out here, is one of the most continual annoyances of the fair. These helicopters roar overhead, making gigantic figure eights constantly. And any of you who have ever been out at Shea Stadium, you're sure, you're, you must have seen this as you sit out there in right field and Rod Keneal is trying to feel the hard shot, the hard ground ball from the bat of one of the Philadelphia Phillies. 
that great big fat old red, white, and blue helicopter just lays that roar of sound over the right field. Many is the error, I suspect, by the Mets have been caused by these choppers. This, uh, this lounge is the kind of lounge that Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers used to use for their more elaborate movies. It has a color television set off to the right, and uh, off to our left is a magnificent restaurant, which I understand is one of the most expensive restaurants this side of the Taj Mahal. Uh, <laughs> it's the kind of place where you got to be worried. You got to be very careful about even ordering a second cup of a glass of water could cost you a lot of problems out here. And so here we are, we're waiting. There are there are dozens of tourists lined up to get a bird's eye view of the fair, although very few birds get this kind of a view of the fair. I don't know what this costs, this ride. Uh, it's not too expensive as far as I know, but the surroundings are very expensive. And in just a few minutes, we will be rising off this heliport, taking off into the cloudy, misty air, the smoky, steamy air of Flushing Meadows to look down upon the Unisphere and the world where it is possible to arrive at peace through understanding, courtesy of Robert Moses and the New York City World's Fair Commission. We'll be aloft in just a couple of seconds. Oh, boy. <laughs> I'll tell you. Oh, man. You can hear the sound of those old chopper blades whirling overhead. And the helicopter is right now taxiing on the uh, concrete heliport about 200 feet or maybe 135, 140 feet above the surface, above the level of the fair and the big Port Authority heliport out here. And here we go! We are up in the air now. We're rising vertically about 30, 40 feet off the ground. And now this huge helicopter which seats about 35 or 40 people and makes a continual figure eight over the fairgrounds is now up and we are maybe four or five hundred feet over the unisphere and going higher she's tilting at a 30 or 40 degree angle and i've always said that the absolute best way to see the new york world's fair is from the air i guess because you get a far away shot at it and you don't see all the uh, refuse cans you don't see all the <laughs> all the sweaty tourists and everything from up here looks almost like well it doesn't exactly look like a fairyland because on either side you can see flushing and as far as you can see you see the fair surrounded by 18 million railroad tracks and you really get a perspective of this uh, Peculiar. The fair, really, from the from the air, looks a little like a uh, colony of mushrooms. It uh, is all white and hazy and shifting and misty. And down below, you can see thousands and thousands of cars coming out of Manhattan and heading for the beaches for Montauk or uh, for Jones Beach. And now we're directly over the Bell Telephone exhibit. The Bell exhibit, in case you've never seen it from the air, is a big bell on the top of it. It simply says Bell System. And many of these buildings, when you get above them, you begin to see that most of these buildings are like an MGM set. Many of them have, uh, don't even really have much of a back. Uh, in fact, in back of them, you see little, uh, you see wooden props, one thing and another, holding them up. 
people wandering around out in front of them, and you really get a sense of the impermanence of the New York World's Fair. Uh, the air is very hazy and misty, and down below us is the Santa Maria, floating at, or at least a model of the Santa Maria, right next to the the uh, Porpoise Show. Uh, you get a you get a really clear view of Manhattan, the fair, the water. Oh wow! She made a big dip there, and everybody, all the all the tourists were clinging to their safety belts for a minute. Uh, I have no idea what that is. That looks like the Hawaiian exhibit down there. That's all part of the. It's not really an exhibit. It's part of the uh, entertainment section. And we're making a great big figure eight now out over Grand Central Parkway. Grand Central Parkway, and uh, and outlined against the parkway, you can see the ruined. Uh, the ruined walls of the Belgian village. It looks like a set out of combat, as Tony, my engineer, said. Uh, when you get up over this thing in a helicopter, you come out in a, in a hydrofoil and you sit on, on, uh, in the air on a helicopter, you listen to a mechanical Lincoln uh, tape recorder. How much time do I have? Just give it to me. Quick, honey. Don't, that's all right. Don't, don't fool around with the 30 seconds. As you're high up in the air here in a helicopter watching a mechanical Lincoln intone the, the uh, Gettysburg Address, uh, hear the million Walt Disney creatures down there singing about the dreamland of tomorrow. And down below us, I can see Shea Stadium. We've just flown over home plate. It's absolutely empty. There isn't a single soul there. And somehow that's the way Shea Stadium looks best. Uh, the... Uh, <laughs> The sense of the unrealness of modern life in general, I don't think is anywhere in the world any more personified, epitomized, and put into a capsule form than in the world's fair. The helicopter blades thrashing, the mechanical Lincolns coming out, I guess you mean a half a minute, or a minute and a half? All right, good, a minute and a half. Everybody's so desperate here. Uh, you get a sense, really, of the, of the, uh, I guess the mechanic, look, look at that, uh, look at that strange-looking Chrysler exhibit down there from the air. Really looks like a kind of satire on all World's Fair buildings. We've just alighted again after the trip around the fair. Bring it up, Tony, you can hear these helicopter blades. And I think, uh, this will conclude our two or three program visit to the New York City World's Fair of 1964. They've just opened the hatch. You can hear the sound of the wind rushing in, and now the tourists are beginning to, to file out with their cameras slung around their necks. They're back down on Earth here. You can hear the roar of the traffic on the Long Island Expressway outside the heliport here. You can see a progress land sign revolving off in the distance. The Swiss sky ride, the sound of the Belgian dancers clomping around, and the New York World Fair moves on to the God knows what. The 20th century, who knows? Everyone out here is, is this here. You can hear the roar of shutters clicking, Excelsior, Seltzer bottle, and remember, friends, tomorrow is only a dream away where all good things are.